You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus, starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by my bookie. They're going to sponsor our SEC Media Day coverage this week. So big thanks to them for hopping on. You know, those guys have been around with us uh, during the football season for the last few years. Hopping on this week to uh, support Gators Breakdown through SEC Media Days. So be on the lookout for a new promo code for this week. All the college football action coming up from my bookie. So, all right, let's get into it. SEC Media Days this week. Greg Sankey at the podium today. SEC Commissioner talking about scheduling. Eight or nine conference games. Texas, Oklahoma, expansion with the Big Ten, all that stuff we'll get into. I wasn't sure I was going to do an episode today. I'm leaving early tomorrow to go to Atlanta to cover Florida on Wednesday. Uh, But why not? SEC, uh, of course, in the limelight, in the spotlight, starting off with Greg Sankey and just some interesting conversations that um, I thought really should just be brought up. I mean, why not? I mean, got a little bit of time. Let's just throw an episode of Gators Breakdown out there. So all that. And then, of course, if you've been on social media today or any of the recruiting websites, 24-7, on three, mainly on three, uh, they updated their rankings. So, of course, there's a chain reaction that affects the 24-7 sports composite rankings as well, since they encompass on three's rankings now. So on three updates their rankings. It affects 24-7 sports. I know they, uh, the, the big headline was Cormani McLean dropping in the rankings just a little bit. And then a crystal ball, or not a crystal ball, a prediction uh, comes in for him to Alabama. So we'll get into all that and just some of the updates in the recruiting rankings as well for Florida commits and a couple of Florida targets uh, as well. So a little bit of housekeeping, of course, before we get started. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. I know uh, kind of a surprise episode, so not as many of you in the YouTube version right now, but I had to get this episode out early. Need to get a 
pack up, get everything ready to head to Atlanta tomorrow. So a little early uh, on the heels uh, of uh, Greg Sankey talking. So get the thoughts out there. But hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're watching live on YouTube. Uh, if you subscribe, you get that notification when episodes like this come out of nowhere. You'll get that notification to let you know Gators Breakdown is live. Leave a comment as well uh, to talk about what you hear about from Greg, Greg Sankey or what you think about uh, the recruiting news that comes up in this episode as well. Be sure to check us out at the home of Gators Breakdown, news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. All SEC Media Day coverage will be there this week as well. If you want to hear more about the Georgia side of things, we cover Georgia as well. So um, if you want to hear more about the Gators' biggest rival in the conference, head to newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. And big announcement. Thank you, everybody out there who has joined Gators Breakdown Plus so far. Over 400 of you active members now. Thank you so much. Uh, so giving away a couple hats there as a giveaway. But I'll go ahead and announce it right here. Uh, a big giveaway coming up. If you saw it on Twitter, I broke it there earlier today. I'm going to give away two tickets to Florida versus Utah. If you're a new member of Gators Breakdown Plus, if you're a current member of Gators Breakdown Plus, you have a chance to win two tickets to Florida, Utah. So sign up by August 19th, uh, and you'll be entered for a chance to win a pair of tickets to Florida versus Utah. And... Um, there we go. Just a little incentive <laughs> to join Gators Breakdown Plus. If you don't, you know, if, if you don't want the extra episodes that come with it, all the uh, Discord talk, all the, the chat room there has just been lit on fire in the last month or so. Um, if you need another incentive, here you go. A pair of Florida versus Utah tickets could be coming your way if I draw your name there. So, all right, that'll uh, get us through some housekeeping there. But everybody, once again, if you've joined Gators Breakdown Plus already, thank you so much. Uh, so, all right, let's get started with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and him taking the podium in Atlanta and SEC Media Days. I'll be there tomorrow to cover, uh, you know, to get ready to cover and prepare for covering Florida on Wednesday. But the first day of SEC Media Days, the first speaker is always the commissioner. Uh, and he had a lot to say today. There's a lot of interest going around the SEC with the expansion talk and what the Big Ten did with getting USC and UCLA to come over. Well, now... A lot of people are wondering, you know, what's the what's the SEC status in this? Well, well, let's get to hear uh, from Greg Sankey on the power of the SEC. But in this environment, I'm proud to say, in my view, and I think in the view of our entire membership, the Southeastern Conference is stronger now than at any other time in our history. We're poised to grow to 16 members on July 1st, 2025. This expansion keeps the SEC in contiguous states, which supports a reasonable geography among like-minded universities and keeps us confident that fan interest will continue to grow in our communities, in our region, in this country, and literally across the globe. There's no sense of urgency in our league, no panic in reaction to others' decisions. We know who we are, we are confident in our collective strength, and we are uniquely positioned to continue to provide remarkable experiences educationally and athletically, along with world-class support to student-athletes. There you go. Not going to overreact, basically. We are in a power stance right now. We believe in what we have done in the SEC, and why wouldn't you? <laughs> national championship after national championship. And for what recent history, a lot of programs doing it. You have Florida, you have LSU, you have Alabama, you have Georgia. 
And just to then, you know, ever since we know, we, we go back to, you know, the, the mid-2000s, right? You know, Urban Meyer comes in, starts winning national titles, and it set a streak off for the SEC to be this dominant conference out there and still making moves. It was a year ago where it just came out of nowhere. Texas, Oklahoma are going to join the SEC. It was their interest. From everything we can gather, from everything that we've kind of been told, the interest come from those two schools first, not the SEC reaching out and saying, hey, you know, would you like to join? Those two schools reached out, if the reports are thought to be true. So for, for what we know, I'm sure there's a lot of secrecy uh, to, to go along with that. But still, either way, no matter how it happened, it's still a power move for the SEC. And I lo- you know, love what he says there um, of you know, being – you know, in a power stance. The SEC is already a superpower. He said that today. Already a superpower. Added Texas-Oklahoma last year. It was the Big Ten that had to respond by going out and getting USC in UCLA. As he said, they're not going to overreact to that. There's no reason, honestly, to go out and go get a FSU or Clemson or Miami or Virginia Tech or North Carolina right now. The SEC doesn't need to add anybody else right now. They are a firm believer in how they've handled the process so far and how they're going to handle it. Now, of course, there's a wild card out there in Notre Dame. And that, you know, geography doesn't matter anymore. We, we all know that when it comes to this. Now, the SEC still, you know, of course, you look at it right now on a map, still based in the south. But if Notre Dame calls and wants in, you let them in. You go get another school to even things out. That's the only wild card here. And the SEC is not going to be caught off guard by what Notre Dame wants to do, I don't think. Notre Dame's going to play the card, too. They're going to play the SEC, and they're going to play the Big Ten. And it may just be a bidding war at that point. But that's the only wild card. That's the only school right now that could probably make the SEC do anything. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But Sankey wasn't, you know, hiding anything. I mean, pretty much straight up, you know, we believe where we are. We believe in what we have done. Everybody else is reacting. We were the, we were the forerunners. We set the path. We set where everybody else had to react. That was a year ago at SEC Media Days. You know, so that, that one came out of nowhere. Uh, of course, if you all remember, it was, what, the Thursday of SEC Media Days, the Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, so it was after I had already left. So luckily, you know, we got to concentrate on just the football side of things. But since then, since then, it's just been realignment, 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 NIL, transfer portal, kind of below what's happened on the field a little bit. Jab, jab, you know. Georgia's national championship a little overlooked because of all these <laughs> all these storylines out there, but nah, you know, credit to them for winning it. Uh, but you know, granted, I don't think it, it doesn't matter who would have won last year, and overshadowed by all the off-field moves going on in college football, basically starting with the SEC. So he did mention, you know, that the, the the league is going to take a better shape in 2025, and of course that is. 
the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. We know it's going to happen. Timing is part of this. And he was asked, do you anticipate maybe Texas and Oklahoma joining the league early, ahead of time? And Sankey said, that's not up to me. That's about the relationship between Oklahoma and Texas and the Big 12. We are focused on the addition of being effective July 1st, 2025. So there you go. We are nothing happening right now if we can believe the statements being made. But, you know, we know the Big 12 is changing. They're going to add some teams before that. Did make it sound like TV, like ESPN and all that. There was a thought there that probably they may speed this up. Say, hey, we'll, we'll worry about the buyout that Texas and Oklahoma have to pay. We'll help it along. We want them in the SEC so we can get this thing going. But for now, it just seems like it's going to follow the timeline that has been put out there. Texas and Oklahoma not in the SEC till 2025. And I do, that brings up to me, if you guys remember, Florida and Texas have a series scheduled. Now, it's way far away. It's 2030 and 2031. So, uh, of course, that is you know, big, big window for a lot of things changing. But you can't imagine that that stays with Texas now being a member of the SEC. You have to think that series goes away now. So what does that mean for Florida? It opens up those years, more than likely. You don't, you're not going to keep those games, I wouldn't think. Now, we don't know how the schedule is going to work out in conference. And we've seen those weird scenarios where, what was it, Wake Forest and North Carolina, I think, even though they are in the ACC, played an out-of-conference game. It was Wake Forest and somebody, I think. Uh, but, you know, they're not – they're in the same conference, but they play an out-of-conference game against each other. So, you know, we'll see how this works out. But just keep that in mind. Texas is joining the SEC 2025. Florida had already had a series scheduled with them. Have to imagine that's now going away. So with all the moves, comes a lot of talk. When Texas and Oklahoma join, what's going to happen with the conference? What's going to happen with scheduling? There's still no clarity yet between an eight and nine game conference schedule. As you know, when we go through this change, we are considering how to schedule. And so some of those decisions were made in Destin, but our football scheduling model is still under consideration. We had deep and productive conversations in Destin. Those conversations actually began back at our meetings in August. And when we concluded our discussion in Destin, we had a focus placed on a single division model with the ability to accommodate either an eight-game or nine-game conference schedule. And I'll wink and say, we could even accommodate a 10-game conference schedule. I see all of you look up. I just wanted to see if you're paying attention. So that's actually not our focus. We ended, though, with the understanding that more questions needed to be answered, including understanding the general timeline and the issues that need to be addressed as we think forward now about the college football playoff. We have to dig through a tie-breaking procedure. So we have over a quarter century in divisions, and we understand all the nuances about how to break ties. But we have to dig a bit deeper there with this single division concept in front of us. And we want to understand 
the impact through the use of analytics on bowl eligibility for our teams who are growing their programs and college football playoff access dependent on the number of teams that might be included. And so there are a range of possibilities being considered. We have time to make a decision. And if you, as you've seen before with us, particularly in the last few years as we dealt with some difficult issues, we're going to use that time to inform our decision-making and not be subject to an arbitrary deadline. Arbitrary deadline. So it doesn't look like we'll get any clarification on that. There has been the arbitrary deadline of at the end of this year, at the end of 2022, of when we would get some clarity on which way the SEC is leaning towards an eight or nine game conference schedule. Man, he said 10. And I, I knew he was joking, but I was kind of hoping he wasn't. I remember 2020 and just I love having SEC versus SEC games on my TV every week or in the stadium every week. That was awesome to see. Now, don't get me wrong. Like he said, there's a – we'll get to some more sound, but there is a checks and balances to this. Eight has worked very well for the SEC. They're not graded too harshly by not having nine, ten conference games. Everybody knows that schedule's already pretty tough. Nine games, I think, we would like to see it because we just want to see more of those in-conference games. We want to see on a more rotation basis of – it, it can happen with eight, two now with the way the SEC will structure everything. Uh, but the, the divisions are going away, it sounds like. It will be one, one conference, one league, and a lot of rotation going on year in and year out. Uh, so we'll see, as he says, how to figure out tiebreakers and all that stuff. There's a lot of research that goes along with this, and that's why they're weighing eight and nine. Go ahead. Go, go for ten. I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of factors there. Um, and for nine conference games, I, I, I think that's the way I lean. But there are some checks and balances. Do you hurt your college football playoff chances with one more conference game? And I know one aspect of this is what happens to your – I mean, Florida would be in this a little bit too. Last year would be, but not – most of the time Florida's not in this conversation. But your schools like Vanderbilt and Mississippi State and South Carolina and Arkansas – those lower-tier schools that are fighting for bowl eligibility a lot more than your traditional powers, you know, now with one more conference game, and even if, I think the, all the rules will have to be rewritten as far as how many wins somebody will need to get to a bowl game, but if they stay kind of close to the same, well, you add one more loss – for a lot of conference teams, and it keeps them out of bowl games. And they're not going to like that. That's been a hanging point. That, that's been a, a, a point of tension in these SEC meetings dating back to Destin and the spring meetings are those lower-tier schools. How, how hard is it going to hurt them by more than likely giving them one more loss in their conference schedule? And what does that mean for bowl rankings, them getting into a bowl game, all that stuff. So that's one more aspect one way to look at it as well. I think if you, you I mean, you, you add nine, uh, you'll, what happens to out of conference scheduling? What happens to how many home games you have a year? All that stuff comes into play too. So a lot of research is going to be going into this of which way to lean for the SEC. 
But Greg Sankey did go into a lot more of it. This is kind of a state of the union of the SEC. Here's just a lot more backing up some of those same thoughts and more from the commissioner. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Greg, uh, John Sokoloff at WCBI-TV in Columbus. You mentioned um, one of the bigger issues with that single division model was the, the tiebreakers and, and figuring out that stuff. What are some of the other issues when y'all think about finalizing that single division format? John, you didn't even have to introduce yourself because I was in Omaha and heard you ask a question in those press conferences leading up to the Ole Miss National Championship. So uh, welcome to Atlanta. Um, uh, the, the list of issues, so tiebreakers won, uh, the number of games and what that means from a scheduling standpoint, the imbalance around nine games versus the, the comfort with eight games. Um, what happens with non-conference schedules, and we have a requirement that that ninth game right now be among an autonomy five type opponent. What, how do we dispose of or, or maintain um, that particular policy? Um, the impact on, on bowl eligibility and, and college football playoff access I mentioned. When I go through six different teams having won national championships in the last 25 years or so, no one comes close to that number. So the level of competition here, while people want to be a part of it, uh, we're, we're attentive and sensitive to that. Uh, just to be clear, nobody from TV is saying do this or do that. This is a, this is a conversation and a decision to be made among our conference membership. Okay, we're going to stay in the same section, third row back. Kirk? Uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American Statesman. Uh, Greg, do you sense a lot of support for a model with three permanent rivals? or? anywhere close to a consensus on that? And is there any interest in expanding beyond 16 teams right now? Um, the, the first question is it's under consideration, Kirk. Um, and there are limits on uh, the number of options available for three permanent opponents based upon the number of gains. Games nine makes that more practical. If you remember, I had two points when we expanded that I wanted to be front and center. One is that we engage in blue sky thinking, just let's look at the big picture. Um, and the second is we rotate our teams through campus as frequently as possible so we don't go 12 years between visits. And, and so those, those two um, have guided us. That last one relates to the number of games, number of permanent opponents, and how many times you can move people through cleanly. And that's exactly the point of conversation. Um, embedded in my remarks is we're attentive, we're engaged in conversation. Um, the great news for the Southeastern Conference is that people call and say, hey, you're doing something really special, and they kind of hint around the edges. Um, as, I, as I went through, we know who we are. Um, we're, we're confident in our success. We're really looking forward to the, the expansion and being at 16 teams, and don't feel pressure to just operate at a number. Uh, but we'll, we'll watch what happens around us and, and be thoughtful but be nimble. There you go. Thoughtful but nimble. I like that. I like that. So keep your ears open. 
But of course, no hurry to change past 16 after the additions of Texas and Oklahoma. No matter what the Big Ten does, no matter what the ACC does, Big 12, Pac-12, it doesn't matter. We're going to do what we do. It's worked pretty well so far. Uh, one more thing he brought up, too, is he's a – and I completely agree with him on this. No automatic qualifiers for the college football playoff. All these college football playoff meetings uh, that they've been having, and, of course, they got to wait till realignment settles down before they want to decide to stay at four, go to eight, go to 12, 16, however many numbers there, whatever you really think. Uh, there's a one sticking point for him is no automatic qualifiers. Um, that was a point – in the last college football playoff discussions to appease the alliance between the Big, Tw- the, the Big Ten, the ACC, Pac-12, that alliance is no more after the Big Ten's moves. Uh, so um, that, that, that goes a long, a long way uh, in determining what they want to do with the college football playoff. Uh, and then news that just came out, so right now I just saw it on Twitter, Notre Dame targeting $75 million annual media rights payout in quest to remain independent. Big 12 would be used to enhance contract with NBC. That comes from Dennis Dodd. So, and I'm pretty sure he's at SEC Media Day, so that, that news is coming out there. So, um, But that's the extent of that tweet. So, as I said, Notre Dame's a wild card in all of this. Uh, I'm not sure the Big 12 line there. Big 12 would be used to enhance contract with NBC, so... Maybe a partnership with the Big 12 or 75 million a year for their TV deal. Whew, man. It's a lot of money. <laughs> uh, as I said, we'll see uh, what, what happens and what changes there. But for the, you know, I'm a big proponent, no automatic qualifiers uh, for the college football playoff. We know these conferences aren't equal. Just because you win the Pac 12 does not mean you automatically get into a playoff. That just does not make sense to me, makes very little sense. Uh, it makes very little sense for a conference like the SEC, where we know how tough it is. And if we're going to sit here and add one more conference game and make the schedule even tougher, then no, we're not going to sit here and say, all right, well, there's an automatic qualifier for the Pac-12 who plays two, maybe three stretching it ranked teams a year compared to maybe even half your schedule in the SEC. No, automatic qualifier is not the way to go for a playoff. Was it to add more incentive? To go out and win, win your conference, probably, but my solution there, and to not go too far into this, but you know, I think the first round of playoffs should be home games, home stadiums, campuses, home teams, campuses. There's your incentive. Go win your conference, you host a home game. That's where, I, that's where I'd go with it. So I'm sure there's a lot more ways to go about it. And however many teams are involved, 4, 8, 12, 16, however many you want. But leave your comment there. What do you think? Automatic qualifiers, no automatic automatic qualifiers. I'm against it. We know these aren't equal. But throw it in the comment section. All right. As I mentioned, recruiting going to be a – won't focus too much on it. It's football this week with SEC Media Days going on, all that. Going to focus on football uh, but too much recruiting news out there today not to uh, follow up on it. But before we get there, college football season is around the corner, and you know what that means. Spreads, money lines, and props galore. With the first slate of games approaching, you want to know who to watch, where are the matchups, and most importantly, who or who not to bet on. You go to mybookie.ag. 
Live odds are there right now to be bet on. Getting started is simple with MyBookie. MyBookie will match 50% of your first-time deposit up to $1,000. If you're already a customer, you get a 25% reload up to $500. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. That's why they are Gators Breakdown's preferred sportsbook. So go ahead and sign up today using promo code SECmedia to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they will meet halfway all the way up to $1,000, giving you all the funds you need to bet this season. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, so back to recruiting a little bit before we sign off here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. On three updated their rankings. Uh, the headlines there being and surrounding Cormani McLean, the defensive back at a Lakeland. We'll get into that. Uh, but how also their updated rankings affect the 24-7 sports composite. I'm a big fan of both, 24-7 sports and on three. It's good to have a um, different, differing a point, of view, point of views there uh, for recruiting. Uh, but 24-7 sports, their history, kind of just going by the composite right now. have got a lot more to compare to, a lot more history uh, to go back and look at. Look at. Uh, so... On three, new rankings will affect the 24-7 sports composite. But now looking at the 24-7 sports composite, the re-rankings kind of did help Florida in a way. Out of 12 commits so far in Billy Napier's 2023 class, 10, 10 of them were four stars. Two or three stars. So out of 12, 10 are four stars. And I know we're looking for that five-star. We're looking for that elite player. But a good base, good start to the class right now, that's about halfway there. That's 83% blue chip percentage for the Gators, a 90.63 average on the 24-7 sports composite. Difference there, Creed Whittemore is now a four-star. So on the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord... User Saf, or Sof, uh, hopefully I'm saying that right, uh, but he went back and looked at and compared July. We're in July now for Billy Napier's 2023 class and went back and compared it to Dan Mullins' 2019 class back in July of 2018. A lot of people will say, well, you know, recruiting's not much different than it is under Dan Mullen. You know, we've seen this before. Well, at this point in time, there is a big difference. So no five stars for Billy Napier right now in this class, but there were none for Dan Mullen in 2019, for his 2019 class in 2018, in July 2018 either. Out of, uh, out of 11 commits in July of 2018, for the 2019 class, Dan Mullen have four four-stars and seven three-stars. Florida's ranked 22nd right now. That class was ranked 33rd. I already said the average right now for Florida is 90.63. The average back then was 88.32. Big, 
big difference right there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, not even close right there. I mean, just to, just looking at the stars, you know, ten four stars compared to four four stars, two three stars compared to seven three stars, at about the same timing, July of both their bump classes. There you go. Eugene Wilson, he was up 15 spots up to the 132nd ranked player in the 2023 class. So Florida's basically top, Florida's top player in the class, basically a top 130 prospect. Seriously dropped three spots, nothing major there, 156. Webb dropped, uh, Trayon Webb, the running back, dropped 14 spots. He's 176th overall now on the 24-7 sports composite. But a big, big jump for edge rusher Isaiah Nixon. Huge jump. Up to 190, he jumped 40 spots. Big time, big time jump there for him, so good for him. If you're looking at, you know some of the headlines there, as I mentioned, Creed Whittemore now is a four-star uh, and there were those were some of the single you know, Marcus Stokes, not not a big change, not a, not a major move for him. Uh, those were just some of the notes I took away from from some of the players right there. Targets wide receiver Aiden Mazel, uh, defensive lineman Cameron James, both those guys made huge jumps. So definitely getting out uh, for, for Cameron James, definitely getting out way in front of that one uh, before all the other big schools come around. Florida identified him as a big. Uh, prospect, but James is now 184. He was 252 before, uh, as far as ranking goes. And Mazel is now a top 100 player as he jumped from 115 to 92. So, looking at it right there, you know, some guys that Florida should be in good shape for coming up as big time targets. Uh, Cameron James probably is not done rising uh, in Mazel right now, as I said. Comes in at 92, so a top 100 prospect at the wide receiver position. So, of course, a lot of this started early Monday morning with on three updating their rankings and Cormani McLean, the big-time defensive back out of Florida, saw a drop in his ranking to 19th on on three. And that, you know, of course, you're going to notice that. Uh, still a five-star. Uh, then we heard, jokingly, of course, because... That's just kind of a running joke. But, oh, well, this is because he's leaning towards Florida. That, that's why they dropped him. And then a couple hours later, Chad Simmons from On3 predicts McLean to Alabama. Just a couple of weeks after predicting McLean to Florida. So I still think, I still think Florida here, and I have, but I, I get the worry you know, we're still waiting for that top, that elite type of five-star talent to get into this class. So I get the worry. You know, we're waiting for that player to pop. But for, for, for McLean, you know, narrative-wise, this one is one Florida has to win. You know, this is some of the stuff I've been over with before. So no new thought here, but you know, now that he's kind of been a, a feature today with all the headlines surrounding him, Narrative-wise, you got to get him. First, a very talented player, of course. Type of player Florida has to start getting to close that talent gap. Next, a very talented player in the state of Florida. 
you know, this is just one player Florida can show a lot of progress on at those levels. We want more than him with those same parameters? Absolutely. But this is the this is the one everybody has kind of pinpointed. When we shifted and turned the page from 2022 to 2023 recruiting, Cormani McLean was up there at number one for probably 90% of the fan base. You, know, you didn't hire Corey Raymond from LSU to lose out on battles like this. Now, you didn't, don't get me wrong, you didn't hire him specifically for this battle, but for battles like this. You know, this cycle started with McLean and A.J. Harris and Tony Mitchell as a top targets and needing to hit at least on one of those guys. Two would have been nice, of course. That was, that was, you know, as good as it was going to get. You were never going to get all three. As it stands now, McLean, the only one uncommitted. You know, Corey Raymond was hired to get players like this and develop them. Florida has good commits in the secondary, has good targets left in the secondary, but, of course, not like McLean. Does a battle fly? Florida has to find a way to win. And I don't put a whole lot of stock in that prediction there. I, I really don't. And that's not to say Bama won't be the choice. But Florida's firmly in this, and I think in as good of a spot as Alabama. Now, we know there's a whole lot of recent history for state of Florida elites trending Florida only to end up at Alabama. It was Ja'Cory Brooks, I think, was crystal ball to Florida, crystal ball to Florida, whoop. Now he's going to Alabama. Bama gets wind of state of Florida elites leaning towards Florida. And Florida hasn't had a whole lot of success when that scenario happens. And Florida's only you know, has felt good only to see them end up at Alabama. But this is a that that's big boy recruiting. And that storyline will either keep happening or Florida's gonna have to change it. They need to change it. Starting right here with this one. So a lot of things trending Florida's way. Raymond's development, right down the road. Got to win one like this. If you want the narrative to change, if you want the outlook to change from a lot of the fan base, <laughs> not saying that's fair or unfair, that's just the, the nature of the beast. You got to win this battle. All right, so there we go. Good stuff there. Kind of catching you up on some recruiting storylines as football will take center stage this week. With SEC Media Day is going on. Wednesday will be the second. Florida will be in the second half of the day. So starting, I think, around 1 o'clock, we'll get Billy Napier, Anthony Richardson, Richard Garage, and Ventrell Miller up in Atlanta. I hope uh, the way that's kind of falling, what's going to happen is cover Florida late in the day and then have to drive back to Jacksonville uh, before I can do any kind of recording. So, <laughs> you will be getting an episode late Wednesday night or early, early, early as we, as the, as the uh, day changes from Wednesday to Thursday. You might get an episode there. So, that will be the plan on Wednesday. I'll try and give some live updates on Twitter and all that kind of stuff uh, during SEC Media Days as we're talking to these players. If I can... Get out some of the video beforehand. I absolutely will. But 
That'll be the plan. Should be a fun time. Always is. Get there tomorrow. Going to the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, doing some interviews for the uh, News for Jacks. There, we're going to get a tour of the College Football Hall of Fame. They have this new SEC exhibit that they want to show us. Uh, so we'll be putting together a story for that. Uh, and I'll try and give you guys a little, uh, hopefully, Gator-ish, Gator-style tour there uh, from SEC Media Days and, and the College Football Hall of Fame. Not sure how they'll have it set up with SEC Media Days, but I know if you get a ticket, you pick your favorite team, uh, and you go through the tunnel there at College Football Hall of Fame, and they theme it up for your team so on the led walls you'll have florida gator graphics and all that kind of stuff um and there's i know there's some exhibits all throughout the college football hall of fame that you can customize as well so i'll try and bring some of you some, some of that stuff to you guys who have not been at the college football hall of fame and maybe some new stuff if you have already been but be on the lookout for that kind of stuff uh, as well maybe on uh, maybe tomorrow uh, so good stuff there everybody thanks for uh, hopping on um kicking off SEC media days, Greg Sankey there. SEC in great shape. Uh, definitely fortunate Florida's in the SEC. Love these big games week in and week out. I think we all do. And we all just get to see it kind of come together with SEC media days and being able to discuss and a lot of storylines. Uh, I've been watching coverage all day. Uh, they have talked a little bit of Florida. Um, earlier this morning, of course, Anthony Richardson being out there, Tim Tebow getting a whole lot of flack <laughs> for putting Anthony Richardson, I believe is his third best quarterback out of the top five. And he's been getting a whole lot of flack on social media for that and, 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 and stuff. So <laughs> very interesting, of course. Um, but, uh, a lot of look at Florida, Utah. That was a big subject coming up, uh, as well was Gator's first game. Hopefully, if you join Gators Breakdown Plus, you can win tickets to that game. Uh, but so we'll get a lot more storylines Wednesday, of course. Still, you heard Will and I talk about it. A lot of Will uh, Will Levis love the Kentucky quarterback. So uh, I put out a big stat there the other day. Um, I think it was forty-one percent of his passes went to Wondell Robinson. And I know I had mentioned last week how much is he going to miss Wondell Robinson, so I had to look up the stats for that. And 41% of his passes went to Wondell Robinson, so Kentucky has a lot to prove as far as um, proving playmakers to get the ball down the field and one that can just take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. That's what they had in Robinson. They don't have that right now uh, as far as what we know. Uh, but I don't think they have anybody that can do, come close to that. Um, so the offense does change. They got a new OC coming in. We'll see how they adapt there. But a lot, a lot of Will Levis love uh, coming from SEC media today. So, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Be sure to look out Wednesday, all the SEC media day coverage from the Gators side. Georgia will be there as well on Wednesday. They get the first half of the day. Florida gets the second half of the day. So I'll be very busy. <laughs> TV station, we cover Florida and Georgia. We're out on the state line, of course, here in Jacksonville. So got to do some Georgia coverage as well. But it'll be a whole lot of fun. A whole lot of fun. So check it out Wednesday. It's the Media Day coverage from Atlanta. Coming up here on Gators Breakdown. So, all right. Follow me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.